I have a question for you, Suns fans. Where were you in 2014? Who were you? What were you doing back in 14? Let me bring in Matthew and ask him the same question. Matthew. What's what up, you, man? What, what were you doing in 2014? I was probably emo or gothic, one of the two, or also was, those both the same thing. That's what I was doing. Yeah, it's kind of the same genre, if you will. Okay. You were just kind of an emotional guy. <laughs> well, yeah. well, that's the last time that the Suns started a season 3-1 and one, was 2014. And although the game isn't officially final yet, there's still 36 seconds left at the time that we started the Suns Jam Session podcast. We are well on our way to defeating the New Orleans Pelicans in our fourth game of the season, the first game in which the Suns wore the Valley uniforms, and we are now a 3-1 and one basketball team. Man, that feels yeah. good. It feels great, dude. Those uniforms, that court looks so good. I just can't wait till there's an actual crowd though sitting on it. You know what I mean? It kind of oh, absolutely, yeah, to finish it off. But it looks great. I, I loved everything tonight. I didn't expect a blowout. I really didn't. I thought it'd be a tough game, and I wouldn't have been surprised if the Suns lost. But dude, the unselfishness, the dedication on defense, it was, it was all there. Just a totally different team. One eighty. Yeah, it was. It's nice to see a team that goes out and blows the shit out of somebody, and it's not nice to see. TNT cut to a game that's not even that close. I mean, it's like there's eight points, and I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's closer. Yeah. But but let us Suns fans revel I'm in the fact that we're it. playing on TNT and we're blowing the shit out of the Pelicans, <laughs> a team that is a darling of the NBA. Zion yeah. is God. All everybody, you know, even at the end of the game, I just tweeted out not too long ago. Reggie Miller is sitting there watching the same game that you and I are, and has to, you know, he's like. I just got to compliment this organization, the Pelicans, their front office, the way they've rebuilt this team. It's like, well, hold on. This is a team gets getting their teeth kicked in by 30 points, and you're going to sit there and, and and ride their jock? Come on, Reggie. Give the Suns a shout-out. Yeah, especially that trade coming up, too. But they don't really know the Suns. Marv Albert even pointed out, he's like, you know, Mikel Bridges, he's the guy that can really score. He scores, but his defense was really good tonight. But it's like, that's not the way it is. Exactly. His career defense and then scoring comes after. So the respect is getting there, dude. Especially a night when Devin Booker, Chris Paul had to do absolutely nothing. Chris Paul, some assists, nothing else. That's it. The rest of the team, the supporting cast, it was basically, hey, let's let's see if you guys can show up the supporting cast. Let's see if you guys are for real. And they, they were. They did absolutely everything they had to do, man. Yes, it was a complete team effort. And it's crazy to see on a night in which the Suns don't have their stars being the superstars that they are. They come out and they just put a swashbuckling on the Pelicans. So yeah. we have plenty to talk about on the Suns Jam Session podcast. We thank everybody who's joining us live, whether it be on Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. If you're new to us, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube account and hit the thumbs up button. Helps with the algorithm algorithms. And if you hit the little bell too, it lets you know when we go live, which is after every game. You can also follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're listening to the podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, do us a favor, please rate, subscribe, and review, Matthew. Okay, I got rid of the housekeeping notes. Uh, it's time to pop open a beer. Okay, it's been a it's been a hell of a weekend. Okay, I got married yeah. yesterday. Thanks for all the love of everybody giving me kudos on Twitter and all that fun stuff. Appreciate it. Got married yesterday. Then I won my fantasy championship, and I know that you won a fantasy championship too. I think we can both yes, say thank you, I Josh did. Allen. Am I right? Yes, yes, Mister Superman, dude. He is amazing. <laughs> uh, God bless Josh Allen. And then the Suns come out and the paste. The New Orleans yeah. Pelicans, it is a final. The Suns pace the Pelicans 111 to 86. I'm popping open a beer. We got plenty to talk about. 
Go Suns, baby. So the Suns were on TNT for the first time in, God, I don't know, since probably DeAndre Ayton's first game against Luka Doncic two years ago. That's how long I feel it's been since the Suns were on TNT. And they come out and they destroyed the Pelicans. And I know that going into this game, we discussed it on the last podcast. It was a game that I was a little weary on, considering the talent that the Pelicans have, coupled with the defense that they've been playing in their first three games. And the Suns blew them off that beautiful valley court, Matthew. So I guess my 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 first question, my my one burning question, if you will, is are the Suns this good or are the Pelicans that bad? There's a lot of weird stuff going on in the NBA right now. I feel like a lot of teams um, are losing big. A lot of teams are winning big that shouldn't. So it's a quick start to the season. So we just have to go off of that. You can't really buy into too much of this team and the rest of the NBA. But honestly, I love what I'm seeing. I mean, it was a full... It was an effort from everybody else for Booker and and uh, Chris Paul, which was perfect to see because that's what we have to rely on is the rest of the team. So for them to step up and do what they did, that's a for sure thing. I think that's going to stick around. It's not going to be all the guys at once like it was tonight, but it's a it's a big mix of them every other night. So that's going to be perfect, and that, that's what we got to see tonight. But I think that if you're looking into this game too much, the Pelicans were terrible. I mean, the Suns' defense picked up in the second quarter. They pretty much they screwed them off the grid. They had no chance of coming back the pelicans were throwing the ball away uh it, it was a lot of the sun's hustle and when you went to the halftime with the big lead it's like you know this team's going to come out and they're going to finish it's there's no way they're going to let the pelicans come back different mindset this year uh but what did you think man were you i know you didn't believe it'd be a blowout but it was just insane how good the suns played all around absolutely i don't think any of us anticipated a blowout i think we anticipated uh, a tough game on the inside, on the boards, seeing Zion, seeing Steven Adams, seeing the length of Brandon Ingram come to town, uh, knowing that Zoe and Eric Bledsoe were going to be running the guard position. I, I figured yeah. it would be a, a defensive game. I really did. I think that the Suns have displayed the ability to shoot a lot of threes and miss and shoot a lot of threes and makes. And that's how the season's gone through the first three games. So coming into this one, when you see Jay Crowder come out and hit his first three three-pointers, and is wide open on those plays. And I know we've talked about this a little bit on the pod, but Chris Paul's gravity is so vitally important to this Sun squad because what James Jones did is he built a team full of shooters. And what he, that what Chris Paul's gravity does is he drives down the lane is it opens up the shooting lanes for all these guys. The defenses collapse, and if they can take advantage of it, the Suns are going to play well. And that's exactly what happened tonight. And as the game progressed, it was a lot of laziness by the Pelicans. It was a lot of sloppiness by the Pelicans. And the Suns took advantage of that, and that's the key. We were talking about it when the loss to the Kings on Saturday night. Those are teams you're supposed to beat. The Pelicans are a team you are supposed to beat. You should be beating a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. You should be beating a team that is part of that is has a young core and is part of essentially a rebuild. And they're a year away potentially. And a lot of people think that this could be that year that they take that next step. But to come out and smother them the way they did with our defense because don't get me wrong the pelicans turned the ball over a lot but a lot of that is forced by the sun's defense and it was just great to see that tonight 
Yeah, the team rebounding too. You have to give it up for that. It was a lot of just four people in the paint, four players in the paint until they tipped the ball to the Suns way until they had possession of the ball and then they would run the offense. They were just making sure that nothing was getting away from them, I feel like. But also there's a big deal being made about I saw in the comments <laughs> the first play of the game where Aiden actually he had a chance to drive straight to the lane and he just absolutely botched it. And he, I don't even remember what the, what happened the rest of the play, but he had a wide open lane to the, to the hoop. But after that, after the first quarter, after he got settled in, Aiden made a big difference. I feel like when the team is flowing and everything, a little bit of a pressure is brought off of his shoulders, he can really excel. And you saw that with Aiden today. Yeah, I think that was the first play of the game. And Zybold97 says in the chat, and you know, what was your reaction to the first eight and play of the game? Everybody on Sun's Twitter freaked out. We all did the eye roll WTF moment. Cause yeah. like you said, he caught the ball in the paint. And instead of just catch and go, you, you, he caught the ball, sat there and thought for like a minute and then decided yeah. to go into Steven Adams. And then it was a busted play. And then he passed out, I believe. And it was just like, oh shit, here we go again. But as the game progresses, and, and this is something we've, we've noticed with DeAndre Ayton and I do think it's funny and it's not lost on me that every time we start one of these podcasts directly after a game, the first subject is DeAndre Ayton, as well it should be. It's his third year. He was our number one overall pick, so we have a lot of observations on his game, and we're going to continue to do so throughout the entire season. It's, you know, Suns win. Okay, how did DeAndre Ayton play? Suns lose. Okay, how did DeAndre Ayton play? And I think that overall, as, as we talked about, I think we really noticed this in the bubble. DeAndre Ayton's a guy who just takes a little bit of time to get going. I thought that was a great adjustment by Monty in the last game where he started to run the offense through DA just to get him touches and kind of get him a little bit into the flow of the game. That's exactly what happened tonight against the Pelicans, except instead of being aggressive, Ayton, he likes to be passive, Ayton, but he needs to have that ball in his hands in an effort to gain confidence as the game goes on. And if you watch him as the game goes on, he gains confidence. Six for 11 from the field, 13 total points. He had uh, 12 total rebounds, so a 13 and 12, only one foul, and he also had a block as well. So his performance is kind of in a line with everything that he's done so far this season. He's not wowing you. He is putting the ball a little bit uh, closer to the to the rim, and I, I wouldn't say you know he's not dunking it yet, but he's still he's getting it closer. So those layups are going in, uh, not doing anything that really blows me away, but still getting it done. Uh, it just kind of sucks when you see his lack of physicality, especially when you go up against someone like uh, Steven Adams, who's just a beast. He just does it. He gets pushed around. And I did think it was interesting. You know, I was looking at my notes, and one of the things I noticed is you did have a stretch there in the second quarter where you had Zion on DA, and Zion was winning, you know, until that turnaround of, uh, jump shot that DA made, and Zion got the foul on him. Up to that point, Zion could go in and, and score on DA, and he did that a couple times. Yeah, he did. Um, but you were talking about Steven Adams too, getting him, getting pushed around by him. He was in the first half, but Da finally put his body into him and like had good positioning on him towards the end of the game. And I was I was texting my friend. I'm like, how? What player do you hate on this team? Like, there's no players in the past. We would hate probably six, six of them, six or seven of them. We this would, is true. Yeah, we would grab our eyebrows out of our face because of these players. But there is nobody we hate. But 
he, uh, my friend was like, well, you know, DA is just not very impressive still to me. And he's like, people need to accept basically he's just a good player. He's a good center on a, on a good team. And he's going to be that player for a while. So yeah, we just accept it. He's a good player, put up the good stats. He was, he got the, he got the ball rolling. We just can't really rely on him yet to really get the team going around. He's going to play as good as the team's plan. So you saw him really take off as soon as we started getting that 20 point lead. And he's, he had one of the better games of this year in the four game, four game season. And what's big for DA is having the ability to play that defense and he does Mm -hmm. it effectively. And I think that that's something that a lot of educated Suns fans truly appreciate. It's the casual fans who just like, they see that first play and they're like, Oh, he's garbage. And that's the end of it. You know, it's not true. You look at him throughout the game, his ability to go straight up and deter shots. Primarily he had that great play on Eric Bledsoe where Eric Bledsoe threw up a prayer and it went in. That was great defensive uh, yeah. effort by DeAndre Ayton on the perimeter on a guard. And it's those little things that you see that DA does and he does them well. So again, that first play kind of caught a lot of people off guard. Um, but at the same time, as you look at the totality of his game, he executed tonight and I'll, I'll take that performance from DA in a blowout any day. Exactly. <laughs> sorry yeah. i'm just busy reading these comments dude. these guys are going crazy these champsters over here dude they Heck love yeah. it yeah and we appreciate everyone who is joining us in the chat remember if you're on youtube hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to the pod look at that when i throw a thumbs up i got a wedding ring on that's weird oh, I, gotta, I gotta i gotta get used to that that's blind in my that, eyes that's something that's that's different matthew was actually there for the ceremony and what did i say when they asked me if i do me does i go i does me, i does i'm sorry dude. <laughs> It was funny. Even Shannon was like, yeah, uh, Matthew's officially family now because I married married his sister. So, yeah, exactly. And we had that talk with the birds and the bees right after. I mean, we didn't have that talk for five years or so, but then we finally had it. Yep. And you said, if I break her heart, you'll break my face or something like that. So, yeah, I don't don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. We got uh, let's take a look at the chat. Uh, We have Boyd Crowley joining us. Uh, We are 11 and one since the bubble. Remember that yes. we've only lost that one game against the Kings and that's a game we probably should have won. So exactly, um, yeah. Cam and Dario on the second unit just isn't fair. That's from Sundress Dunks in the chat. Mm-hmm. And that is going to bring me to my next segment. I want to talk about Dario. Yes. Uh, I saw, I saw somebody on Twitter. I, I forget who tweeted it out. I believe it was at, hold on. It's going at, uh, I can't find it, but they said, who knew that Dario Saric was essentially the final infinity stone for the Phoenix Suns because he comes in and we win by 25. Yeah, he fit right in, right? Like he basically came in and he didn't seem tired at all. I mean, what? how many minutes did he play? He played 14 minutes, but he was hustling, dude. He was basically doing everything in the first quarter, the first and second quarter that Aiden wasn't doing when he came in to play the five. So I was interested to see like, what would he look like with the starting unit just because he was Dario again, dude, and he was looking to play make. Automatic. There's a lot of shots he passed up to pass it to the extra to the extra pass the wide open guy, and it was awesome because he fit right and he knew exactly what to do when he came back. He was nothing short of I think excellent this game, dude. I think he had three turnovers in the first quarter, but besides that, I mean, he was he was right on. Two of those turnovers weren't really his fault. But he, it, just to have him with that second unit or even playing with the first unit, it's just like, yeah, it's that missing piece, that piece mm-hmm. that comes in will give you that extra burst, just like Galloway, just like every other player on that bench. Sarge fits right in. And I was I was blown away, dude. I was 
I, I just, I miss him so much. It, it would brought like some tears to my eyes to see him on the court. Right, John? It's, it's that depth though, man. I mean, they were talking about the broadcast in the first quarter the Suns were 10 deep and we could do that. Each yeah. one more yeah. hadn't even played at that point. Damon Jones hadn't even played at that point. Frank Kaminsky hadn't even played at that point. It's like, we are so deep uh, real quick. Uh, Jermaine Prieto in the chat says Matthew's TV in the background is low key fire. So there you go. Kudos to Matthew. Oh, He's got a, for those of you who are watching Matthew, put a TV up behind him. It's awesome. It's a, it's a little 12 inch one, like uh, <laughs> from the office, <laughs> <laughs> but on, on the Dario notes, uh, I did notice a couple things that I wanted to throw out there. Um, he still has a hard time making a layup. That one play where he could have had an and one, I was like, ah, oh, Dario, he the guy did. who's like can get right to the rim and just can't lay it in. I thought he uh, did. I thought he made that one, and he made no, the free throw. He made he the got free throw. An he got an and one, though, this game. It went in? Yeah, it looked I, I don't like remember it going, it going in. I swear it went in. Well, maybe they'll remind maybe. me in the chat if I'm incorrect. But at the same time, uh, his rebounding is the ugliest ever. You know, there's a couple plays where he, he just jumps up and it's awkward. He sticks his big butt out and that's what he uses to box piece. guys out. But I mean, at the same time, he's effective and having him in there solidified everything. We didn't have to go to can or I'm sorry, uh, to Damian Jones or Frank Kaminsky. It was Dario Saric who was coming in and relieving DeAndre Ayton. And that's big because like I said, as we prepared for this moment, it's going to be vital to see Dario come in and have the ability to manage the ball, to provide those hustle plays and he's technically sound he doesn't get a ton of fouls and if he does they're good fouls so i mean good hard fouls good hard fouls i mean if you're gonna foul somebody do it right don't damien jones it where you just bump the guy you put your hands up up, you know and i mean it's just at the same time i just i really am impressed with the minutes that super dario put in if you look at his box score on the night 14 total minutes which is perfect for him coming off a quad injury had 10 points had uh what four rebounds, an assist, mm-hmm. a steal, a plus 21 of the box score, and he was even two for three from deep. I mean, if you're getting that from your backup center, essentially, that's you're winning all day long. And what really won this game outside of the turnovers and the shitty shooting by the Pelicans was our depth. We've talked about it before, but the to have the ability to just constantly be firing on all cylinders. It's just you're going to wear teams down, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, 31 to 29, they outscored them in the first quarter, then 35 to 15, then 34 to 17. So by the end of the third, what was the score? It was like 161 or something? 111 to 86. Well, that's what the final score was, but at the end of the third. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, they had 100. I know they had 100. Yeah, they were at 100 after the uh, um, goaltending call. It was 161 yeah. after three. So granted, that last quarter, we were outscored 25 to 11 by the Pelicans, but that was all garbage time and it was over at that point. So to see this team consistently have offense and, and just punch people in the face nonstop is just, it's a pleasure to see. And you still know that they're not there yet. Again, Devin Booker, Chris Paul (laughs) didn't have the greatest games ever. Devin Booker and Chris Paul combined for 17 points combined. I know they combined for a total of 12 assists. They combined for eight rebounds. Yeah, I think this was just a dare. It was a dare from Booker and, and Chris Paul, really, to say this is a supporting cast. They didn't get any shots up till late. I mean, Booker was trying to force everything in at the end, try to get some threes up, but he made he made one in the second half, but that was fine. He just never had it. There's something, something is off with Booker. I don't know what it is. I wish I knew what was going on. I don't think he's injured or anything like that. I just think it's like something mental. I was thinking maybe today, I'm like, maybe the, he just knows his team is so good now. And there's a lot more on his shoulders to like bring them to the next step. But maybe it's not that. Maybe I just worry too much like I always do. But I honestly think, dude, he was doing great. There's one guy today. I was looking up jerseys for the Valley jerseys. I was like, 
who do I want to get? Oh yeah, Mikel Bridges. His jersey Bridges. sold out. I cannot find his jersey anywhere. And he is absolutely on another level. He has turned the corner, baby. Like basically turned the corner, going 120 miles per hour down the freeway in a Ferrari. Like he is just cruising right now, dude. He looks different. His his eyes, his body, like every his body. I just think that he is adjusted so well to what the Suns want him to do on the court to where you're just like every play he's making a difference. And you look at the box score, not always amazing, but he's in there on every play to tip a pass, to, to make a steal, to get the rebound, to do whatever it is to win the game. And that is, that's automatic dude for it. So for his box score though, he had today, I think that he had, what was it? 13 points. Let me see here. 13 points. Yeah. Two steals, seven rebounds, two offensive rebounds. And I just think absolutely every play he's making a difference for the Suns. Um, there's nothing I feel like he can't do for that team to help them. And I'm just like, can is he gliding in the air in that dunk he had over Brandon Ingram? Is he beautiful? Is he, is he gliding or is he just that long to where he's it doesn't matter long. where he's at? I just I don't know he's what it's that long. A great a great pass from Chris Paul, a great finish by Mikhail Bridges. And without a doubt, Mikhail is the one who is jaw dropping. And to your point, I I, I think it was was it Marv Albert on the game or was it his son, Kenny yeah, Albert? I think it was Marv. He looked old. So I think it was, it was Okay. So Marv Albert's calling the game. And like you said at the, at the top of the pod, it's one of those like, okay, you are definitely a national pundit because he's sitting there. He's like, this guy gives you a lot of offense and his defense looking really good tonight. It's like that's <laughs> the exact opposite. Yeah. Like we're yeah. used to Mikhail Bridges leading the way by guarding the toughest guy, which in my opinion, guarding Brandon Ingram, that's the toughest guy, right? I mean, he is. Yeah. A walk in bucket. He they just don't, haven't really unlocked his powers as of yet. Knowing that the paint is clogged with Zion and Stephen Adams, that's a team that if they really wanted to build around Brandon Ingram like they want to, like they just gave him a max deal, he could really be something special. I'm I'm just personally a big Brandon Ingram fan, so maybe I'm oh, biased yeah, in that way. But I mean, me at the too, same at, at the same time, you look at what Mikael Bridges is doing right now, and and it's it's unbelievable. I mean, this guy. Time's running out on the shot clock. He's running under the basket. And he's hitting a turnaround jump. You're like, whoa, what's this? You know, he he's attacking and putting pressure on the opposition on both ends. He always attacks on defense. He can switch well. He creates havoc with those long arms. And this year, all of a sudden, I won't say all of a sudden, but he started to showcase it in the the bubble restart games. He didn't necessarily do it in the bubble, but those like four bubble restart games, you really start started to see the Mikhail Bridges being unlocked. And now you start to see the versatility of that. He can hit the three ball. I think he went one for two from downtown tonight. He had the, that turnaround jump shot. He's ha- he's cu- he's always cutting at all times, which Chris Paul has to absolutely love as a point guard, knowing that you have this big, long guy who you just got to get near him, his, and he'll catch it, and he'll put it in for you in some way, shape, or form. And I think lastly, I got to point out, Matthew, he had the best shoes tonight. With the Valley jerseys yeah, he on, he had those yellow shoes that just looked fire, man. Dude, yeah, I was actually, I put that in my notes. His shoes stuck out. I went perfect with the Valley jersey. I think he really planned that well ahead of time for this night. I mean, he, I don't know what it is with him. I. It's just, he is just something that he's turning into the player where maybe two or three late years later, we expected him to be. Because remember, our expectations for him this year were basically just, mine, mine was 18 to nine, but yours are just like, you know, shoot 40% from behind the line, something like that, something simple. But he's just covering every facet of the game. He is the ultimate player for the Suns. It's either do or die with him. We have to follow this guy into the flames. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but he is freaking amazing. Dude, M- Mikhail Pippen. I mean, I'm Big telling you, this Pippen. guy This guy reminds yeah. me of Scottie Pippen growing up watching him play. 
defensive mm-hmm. intensity long and when the, when that fast break happens i mean the guy can be scary and he will be moving forward and so i think that he's somebody who we have to continue to watch and monitor and and love and enjoy and and try to buy his jersey and it'll continue to be sold out as well it should be yeah mikhail bridges the warden mikhail jail that guy is as rick johnson says in the chat a fucking stud okay yeah. um <laughs> I do want to point out something that Viking STW said in the chat. Uh, so right on, Devin, learning to play with a good team, it'll come in time. I think that's a big thing about Devin Booker right now. you got to realize this is a guy who's literally had to carry the cross of the Phoenix Suns for the past five years, and he's trying to find his place within an offense that he's just not used to. He's used to being the guy who is relied on in a lot of point book situations and a guy who is carrying the offense whenever, whenever, and we've seen it a couple times early in the season. I think it was the game two when we played against the Kings, when we went down 11, nothing Booker's the guy who jump started our offense and got us back. And, and he's comfortable within the confines of that role. Well, his role's kind of changed now. It runs through CP three and CP three. Like I said, he wrote, he, goes into the middle of the court. He pulls the defense in and he's going to find the open guy. And Dem Booker's still trying to find who he is uh, within the offense. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so too. And he obviously, he had a lot of turnovers the first three games. And I think he knows that. I think a lot of it he knows is maybe on him because I, you heard in the broadcast where it's like, oh, they're not all his fault. But I'm like, sometimes I think it is. And like you said, he's just not used to playing with this kind of system. He's used to just having the ball, especially last year, and just trying to make everything work through him. So I think he has to get used to it. And hopefully he's not too afraid of really just having the ball, trying to still play make on the court because he still can. And I think it's... It, we never really thought about the adjustment for Devin Booker going into the season. We really didn't. We thought he'd fit right in. He thought he would lead the league and score or break the all-time record for the Suns and points per uh, scored per season. But besides that, I mean, I thought he would play make even more, cut down on the turnovers, all of that, be the team lead in assists, which is a crazy prediction, just like Javon Carter being the next point guard for the Phoenix Suns. But basically, I feel like he is adjusting the most i think he realizes that i think he's having a hard time maybe that's what it is maybe he realizes that he just isn't as ready as he thought he would be to start the season and it's all good because we have a great roster we got his back all the sun's fans do unless i come on the pod and just hate him like right away (laughs) like the two pods ago i don't hate him but you know what i mean i get upset but you know we're, we're all going through it with him i think right but he he is taking a lot of the burden i think for the suns right now well, again, he has the opportunity to try to figure it out. And that's what's great right now. This isn't one of those seasons where we're starting one and three and Booker's performing like this. We're three and one, and he's trying to f- our, our best player, our all star two guard, isn't playing to the level that we expect him to. He mm-hmm. had what one one shot made in the first half? Yeah. One in shot. the third in the third quarter, he did start to force it. He went one for six from downtown and two from eight from the field overall. You look at, at his end box score, eight total points. I mean, the Suns won by twenty-five tonight, Matthew. 25 Booker scored eight, six rebounds, three assists, two steals, not a great shooting night, but he didn't take a lot of shots. He only shot the ball nine times, dude. I mean, he, he might be trying to figure out how, how to fit within this offense, but guess what? He doesn't, we don't need him to go out and score 27 points right now. It is a complete and utter total team effort right now. Again, our bench dominated our bench outscored the uh, new Orleans Pelicans 47 to 28. So that is three games this year that we've outscored their bench and not just outscored them, pretty handily outscored them. And we were 3 0 in those games. In the one game where we didn't outscore their bench, we lost. There you go. Mm-hmm. I could I could break it down into 30 different metrics. And that's one all I, I really enjoy <laughs> looking at is the fact that our bench, that, that shows the depth of our team. And you saw it with New Orleans. Once their starters go out, 
because because again, as you and I had talked about on the last pod, as we looked at this game, we're like, okay, well, they do have Zion and they do have Steven Adams and and Brandon Ingram and and Zoe Ball and and Bledsoe. But then you start to look at their their uh, their bench, and you have you know Hart's good. Reddick's somebody who always scares me, but he, I guess he's been having an off year to start so far. You have this Melly guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Andale, Andale, Mama, Ia, Ia, uh oh, what's <laughs> happening now? Uh, Alexander Walker, uh, you know, Kira Lewis Jr., who's somebody that Suns fans were high on in the draft. So a lot of guys who just, you, you're, you're not too sure of. You're not really sure of their consistency. Yeah, you're not. And Lonzo coming in this year, he really shot, he changed his shooting mechanics, but it's crazy to me that you have still him and Bledsoe playing together where Lonzo, I feel like is the main point guard, but then you bring in Bledsoe, who's in the hog of the ball. Did you even notice him on the on the court? One in the time, first quarter, I didn't even time. know he was playing, and he played ten minutes in the first quarter. I had, I had no idea he was playing, honestly. But this team has a long way to go. Zion, too. I mean, he can cause some, he can draw some fouls, but he he shoots terrible from the free throw line. I think just forcing him to get to the free throw line is a great way to try to win. Um, but besides that, I mean, the Pels did start out good though. They started out seven of eleven for threes, which was really great. But besides that, from the first quarter, they just. Mikhail Bridges, I feel like here we go again. Mikhail Bridges, I feel like he was the guy that kicked everyone in the hole, like kicked them all. They're offensive players in the hole. You had Brandon Ingram, Zion, you had to worry about, then Steven Adams, I guess. But it was like Mikhail was covering like all of them at once, it seemed like, and just had them just yielded to whatever offense they they thought they were going to have that night. I mean, they still, I think Ingram still had 13, which is terrible. Zion had 20, but it was really hard worked. But after about a quarter, you're like, okay, Mikhail basically has everybody. He can cover whoever. Jay Crowder did a good job, like he said. I think, and like, um, and like he tends to do. Yeah, like he tends to do. And I think Aiden, too, he had a great defensive game, too, as well. And that's something that's so overlooked by him. But I just, I, I can't stop talking about Mikhail. Well, well, I'll go back to something you said because they didn't start 7 11 from three. They started 7 11 from the field because they ended only with three total three pointers <laughs> made. They, they were three of <laughs> yeah, 24 the, field, the whole game. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, but, that's what I meant. But, but, but you know, if, if you go all the way back to the first quarter and, and you look at how the Pelicans started, to your point, they came out hot. And I think it's one of those things where, as Suns fans, you kind of instantly go into, okay, this is going to be um, just a, a drag it out. Uh, tough game. You know, I think that Crowder being on Zion, that's something that we were talking about on the last pod is who's really going to take Zion. And he started off taking him. But then to your point, you have Mikhail Bridges taking everybody and starting to lock everybody down. And and don't get me wrong. The Pelicans, Lonzo Ball had active hands in this game. He was swiping the ball at CP3. He was pissing him off yeah. a little bit. And, and Ingram was a little bit hard to defend. But when you don't have the depth that the Suns have, it's like I said, that offensive onslaught never stops. So when that second team came in in the second quarter and, and they couldn't match us punch for punch and they started turning the ball over, it was it was game over from there. I mean, coming into halftime, I was just like, we were up 22 at the half and Booker had two points or three points or something. I mean, it was just like, it was unreal. Uh, you have Miss Angelina in the chat. She says, uh, the first quarter felt like it was going to be a fight to the end. And that's absolutely right. I was like, okay, get, you know, Buckle in, Suns fans. We're in for a long fight. What happens at by the end of the game? TNT showing the the Kings game. 
I know, I know. That's crazy. It, it kind of sucks too because Fox Sports wasn't covering the game. I know how a lot of people have had issues with Fox Sports and like it being blacked out. I don't know what's going on there because I, I stream it off of an app, so I'm not having any issues there. But besides that, I mean, this is a game that we really just wanted to have fun with and watch to the very end because you know who came in was Etwan Moore. Etwan Moore didn't get yeah, one point got to see him. So we finally got to see him, and I was trying to look up what he had. Zero points, 0 for 1, which is fine. He got on the court. I mean, <laughs> he was one of those guys we thought were when Langston Galloway was was cold. Maybe you can put him in, and he can come in. But no, Galloway is, I think, just always going to be the automatic guy to go to, right? Coming off the bench, yep. him and Cam Johnson coming He's off the bench. the minutes. First. Yeah, definitely. Those are the two guys that you just want to see come off the bench first, I feel like. And you know, Zion obviously is a big story coming into this game, and I wasn't overly impressed. Now, granted, I have Zion Williamson oh, on a couple fantasy basketball oh, teams, cool. so I'm aware of who he is and what he does, and, and he led the team in scoring. He's got 20 yeah. points for him, uh, only two boards for Zion, and that's something that I thought was kind of interesting, was he wasn't really exerting his presence down in the block, and it that that's actually something like Jalen Smith. I know that it's you don't want to compare Zion Williamson to Jalen Smith, but Jalen Smith is one of those power forwards who his gravity tends to be towards the perimeter. Zion likes to do the same thing so he can get the ball, load up, and then throw down one of those like massive dunks. But he's one of those players too who I was uh, on Twitter at EVXZ17 said NBA Golden Boys, Luca, Zion, LeBron, and who else? And it's true. He's one of those guys who he just gets calls that aren't necessarily fouls. Like there was the one play where he had the ball. He was dribbling. He went to go from the right hand to the left hand. He just lost the ball. He lost the dribble. Cam was right there and Cam got called with the foul. And it's nice to sit here and not really have to harp too much on the refereeing in this game. I really thought we would considering a couple things. One, uh, there was only two refs in this game. So I was, I had a feeling that they would maybe, yeah, they, they said the third one for health reasons. It was probably a COVID thing where they had an inconclusive test before the game, but there was only two refs and one of those refs, uh, what happened? It was today on Twitter. I think it was like, at who was it? It was, I think it was Mike V Hill from the, uh, the timeline pod had tweeted at one of the refs girlfriends Mm -hmm. and she had talked shit about the Suns. So he was pretty much saying like, "Uh Oh, we're screwed this game. (laughs) You know? So, I mean, you just always feel like the refs are against you. That's what it comes down to with, with the Phoenix Suns. And in this game, I I feel like there was some pretty fair refereeing, except for a couple Zion calls where I'm like, come on, like I get it. He's one of those guys that the league wants to do well, just like Luca. If you look at a box score, it looks great. But if you watch a game, you're like, he gets a lot of bullshit calls. And Trey yeah. Young, too. Trey Young's over like 15 free throw attempts a game right now, bro. I still got to watch him. I haven't watched him this year, so I don't know how he's getting those fouls, but he's just good at it. But the thing with Zion, he's so big and quick. He's just yes. so fast. I don't think the referees, someone pointed that out on Twitter. I don't think the referees can really keep up with him. So they see him lose the ball or else get nudged a little bit. That's a foul automatically. Plus, yeah, he has a name. He's the number one overall pick, just like DeAndre Aiden. But Aiden doesn't know how to draw a foul, like if his no. life depended on it. But I think Zion does. Zion throws himself into players, and I think that's why the refs are kind of used to seeing him get to the line. And I think he, I think he kind of, I don't know. The refs in the last two games have been really good for the Suns. I feel like so. I've, I'm glad it was only two refs today. Maybe they should do that more often. Yes, it was a, it was a good like. Sh- there was really no whistles blown, and I loved it. 
<laughs> Looking through the chat, shout out again to everybody who's watching live with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We have Iverson Vlogs. I was scared when Dario came in and Zion went at him. That's got to be scary for Dario. Your first yes. game back, it's been a while, and you got big old Zion Williamson coming down the lane barreling at you. That's got to be like yeah. top five scariest moments for Dario in his career, right? Yeah, definitely. I feel like even like when it's an offensive rebound chance for Zion, he just is in there like a wrecking ball, dude. He can hurt somebody. I feel like he can tear someone's arm off if he wants to get that rebound. I would be frightened, and it's not a guy whatever. I think he's probably top five, at least in the NBA, of players I do not want to face, right? Like he has Absolutely. to be that top. Yeah, just because of sure size. Him and Steven Adams maybe, but I would choose him over Steven Adams as being the most feared guy I would see coming in the alleyway. Him and Steven Adams together would just make me shit myself. <laughs> And that's the Pelicans' front line. So, again, yeah. coming into this game, we thought it would be something probably a lot different. Uh, you have Buck Dog in the chat. He said, Booked is more engaged, Book is more engaged on D. It's great to see him working on his weaknesses, always improving. And that is a great point. He is yeah. a lot more active on defense because he can be active on defense. Again, he's not carrying the cross of the Phoenix Suns offensively anymore. So he's getting a little, more, little bit more pesky on defense, right? Yeah, I think so, too. I don't know. Um... He is, but he just, to me, he has a hard time still. I know he's really trying, but at least just trying is as good as we're going to get with a book. I think he's just a little bit short-armed. He's not going to be there quickly, like laterally and all that. But I, I think him just trying and showing that he cares, because he has to, because Chris Pauls is on the team. As long as he tries, that's good enough for me from book. He doesn't have to be the best defender. I really don't care that much. At least because you know how we're so it's used to last year, him trying him just giving up on plays, letting the three point no three point contest that was him last year. This year, you see it a little bit, but besides that, I just anything anything from him is good. I like this one, I didn't realize this, and I just verified it while you were talking. Angry ads says Suns are number one team in the West at the moment, and that is correct. There are three teams in the West who are three and one currently the Suns, the Clippers, and the Kings. So the Suns currently, I think it's probably based on total points, are technically the number one seed in the West right now, Matthew. Here on December 29th, 2020, we're the number one seed in the West. Think about that. Yeah, there's other teams too, like Sacramento Kings. They're not supposed to be good. Um, obviously, we played them twice. But I just, I don't know, they'll probably fall out of there. Portland Trailblazers, San Antonio the Spurs, two and one. So it's so early. We I don't even look at the standings right go. now. I know. I don't even look at the standings right now. Maybe till game 20, then it starts to really matter. Well... Uh, I'm going to enjoy this, okay? Won a fantasy football championship, got hick, got hitched yesterday, and now got we're the hick. number one team yep. in the in the Western <laughs> Conference. It's a good week, okay? Don't take this from me, Matthew. No, I, I know. I know. That's me, <laughs> Mr. Capricorn, a downer. Yeah. You know? I just, <laughs> you, between you and LeBron, I swear, what are we going to do? Okay. No, I'm super excited, dude. I feel like I was just so pumped in the first half, and then I just kind of got a little bit tired because they were just doing so well the rest of the game. I didn't have to worry too much, so... I'm pumped back up, dude. All right. <laughs> so if you were to guess without looking at the box score real quick, who was the top scoring Phoenix Sun tonight? Who would your guess be? It would be, uh, I don't know why I'm having a hard time with this. It would have to be Crowder, right? Yeah. Jay Crowder, yeah. 21 points, top scoring Sun. We win by 25 points and our top score is Jay Crowder. So if you go down yeah. the line, top score, Jay Crowder, 21 points. Let's talk about Jay a little bit. Only 21 minutes, a point a minute for Jay Crowder, six for 11 from the field, five for eight from downtown, two, only two rebounds this game, and uh, one steal and one assist as well. Now, I know that when we talked to Brandon DiPerno from Hot Hot Hoops, he had mentioned, hey, when you have 
uh, Jay Crowder on your team, you're going to love him at times. And you're going to hate him at times. There's going to be times where he's going to hit every three-pointer and you feel like he can't miss. And there's going to be times where he can't hit a three-pointer. Well, it looks like Saturday when we lost the Kings, not only him, but the rest of the team couldn't hit a three. I mean, we were 11 for 44. But this yeah. is one of those games, five for eight from downtown. He had a great performance Sunday against the Kings as well. How much are you loving Jay Crowder? Knowing that he's already solid on defense, but the extra offense we're getting from him right now. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a beer. Um, I honestly, <laughs> I love it, dude. He is the guy that is just very simple out there. He isn't doing too much, and he's not doing too little. He is just right in the middle, cruising along in this offense. He's knocking down his threes right now, but from the bubble last year, he was just automatic. So, I mean, why wouldn't it carry over to the season? Of course, he's going to go through a dry spell, but even if he's not hitting it, dude, he's doing everything he can to help us rebound, to to pass the extra man, to run the offense if he needs to, to tell people where to go. He's that other guy in offense that we need beside Chris Paul. And Chris Paul, I mean, he's never played with a guy I feel like like Chris Paul. No one has on this team. And it brings out even more. It's like the Steve Nash effect. It's going to bring out way more into Crowder's game. He's going to get those wide open threes. And the wide open threes from the Suns all game, they didn't get contested for one shot, I feel like, from beyond the arc. All great shots. I'm but yeah, really, Crowder, I love that guy. I'm really interested to start looking at the advanced stats and metrics to see how often the Suns have those uh, wide open shots. Uh, I, I yeah. go back to work tomorrow. I'm working for a couple days, then I'm off for the New Year's. But I know I'll sp- sneak in a little, you know, downtime tomorrow to really start to look at the analytics. So when we have our next podcast on what day is today, even say Tuesday. So yeah. on Thursday, on Thursday night, you know, Happy New Year's. Come join the Suns Jam Session podcast because we'll be doing a pod <laughs> right after the game. Yeah. Uh, but those advanced stats have got to be amazing when it comes to wide open three pointers. The ball movement on this team is fan fucking tastic. Even Charles Barkley, who was still. You know, loving the Pelicans. That halftime show on TNT was frustrating, man, because the Suns are up 22, and they're just talking about Zion, 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 uh, Suns are up 22. And even Chuck Barkley, man, a a loyal Phoenix, a guy who lives here over Mm -hmm. by Ganey Ranch, where I've golfed, and we always, uh, I've golfed with So Says Jay, and he'll be like, hey, that's Barkley's house, I think. I just, he's not giving the Suns the credit, and maybe that's okay. Maybe that's okay. Maybe he is... Let you know, like the rest of us trying to underplay the Suns and let us be the underdogs and keep us off the radar. But you know what? This Phoenix Suns team by halftime was looking so good due to those continual wide open three point shots. I even was looking at the the stats at halftime for the Suns, and this is before we even we came back out in that second half. But from downtown, the Suns were nine for 19 in the first half, and uh. 17 for 17 from the free throw line. So, and a couple things that we talked about in the past, hitting your threes and having the ability to get to the free throw line, that happened today. And what was probably one of the most important things, and again, this is where it's kudos to Monty. The Suns came out in the second half and they kept the intensity. How many times have we seen the Suns bring a lead, not even a big one, but let's just say they're up eight. Going into halftime, they come out just flat. That didn't happen tonight, Matthew. No, it never did. And we talked about it earlier. Like, there, this is a team where you know it's not going to happen. I wrote that in my notes going into the second half. I'm like, this team will not let up a lead at all. There's no excuse for it from this team because there's not going to be any bad shots. Basically, the only bad shots were was Booker when Booker was trying to get a rhythm going and he forced a couple threes. That was the only thing I saw from the second half where I'm like, oh, don't do that. Like, don't let them back any closer. But besides that, the rest of the team. They get it going, man. They actually, they keep, and what's great is campaign will come in. You have these guys, even Javon Carter who's playing crappy. He'll make sure he does his part and miss his threes and air ball stuff. But besides <laughs> that, 
the the whole team is just they're they're playing correct good basketball it's an actual basketball team all around i've never seen a team like this before in my life for the suns so um it's it's very good to see man and but the chuck the the whole tnt thing it, it's all a joke man it's i love watching them even if chuck gives the suns crap just because they're hilarious and i don't care like chuck is always wrong about everything he is always wrong about every prediction he says the blazers are gonna win the west all this stuff he makes it all up for entertainment i i love it dude and have yeah i'm glad you had fun golfing too by the way you know oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for the invite <laughs> you know what it, it, it was like six months ago it was 110 <laughs> degrees outside and i think you were working so quit your yeah. bitching okay Whatever. you could come next time you could be my caddy so i also want to point quit. out <laughs> what'd you say i quit, <laughs> I quit. oh man okay well now i gotta go solo on this all right so matthew quit the podcast so now i'm, I'm going stolen. i'm kidding i we i kid you kid we kid um a couple things I also want to talk about are the cams. Again, how yeah. vital are the cams to this second team unit? You have campaign come in, 23 total minutes, 13 points, 7 assists. And here's what I found was really interesting on the broadcast when it comes to campaign. is uh, He was the first one to try a pick-and-roll entry pass to DA that worked. Yes. Yep. CP3 yep. kept trying to navigate it. D-Book keeps trying to navigate it. None of them are willing to actually just throw it up towards the basket let DA go get it. Campaign, that was the first play he came out of uh, from coming off the bench and doing. Yeah. And then yeah. as as Reggie Miller was talking about the team, he goes, you know, the thing about the Suns, they've got three quality guards. They said we had three quality guards, and that's Devin Booker, yeah. CP3, and Campaign. That's what yeah. he said. Now, granted, he's a national pundit. And he probably doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But as Suns fans, we know, Campaign, we might have struck gold here, dude. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's basically the signing last year to where we didn't know what to expect, but this is a guy basically giving a second chance. And how often does that happen? I mean, Josh Jackson's on his fourth chance right now. I guess he's doing pretty good with the Pistons. I mean, they lose every game, but besides that, I mean, he's put up some good stats, but campaign. He's for real, man. Everything about that guy, the body language, the look on his face, it's all real. He is just a true backup point guard for the Suns. He's earning his way back in the league. He'll probably get a good contract coming up in the future. I know it's only been four games, but he played like this in the bubble. It did not stop. So, so it's 12 games now. Yeah, so 12 games. So he's been amazing, absolutely beautiful for the Suns. And that's why it's like when you're watching the game, it's like you are never have a letdown of who's coming in the game. It's never like, oh, God, who's coming in? Like you get so upset in the past because every guy that's coming in this game is going to produce. And he's the elite of the producers off the bench. He and Him and Cam Johnson yes. are the, the best guys off the bench. Yeah, and again, that's why as a, if you're a Pelicans fan, that's got to be the frustrating side of it because you have a great first team, but they can't have that sustained offense because it's a bunch of projects. And with the Suns, it's not a bunch of projects. Campaign, I mean, he's just continually providing defensive pressure, playmaking. That, I mean, seeing that seven assists just got me excited. Knowing that he comes in and has the ability to run that offense, that's what we were talking about in the offseason. That's what we needed. And Javon Carter, 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 overall. You know, like you said, he'll come in and he'll miss his shots. And I hope, I really hope that some of those things start to fall for Javon Carter because he's great too. He needs to get more of those minutes because he can again yeah. help with those with that defensive intensity. And then Cam freaking Johnson, dude, 18 points in this game, 22 minutes, four for 10 from downtown, six from 13 overall. And he had two blocks and two rebounds. It just plays decent, really good defense too. I mean, the the Cam show is unbelievably impressive. I mean, this guy had his career high is 21, and he tied that on Sunday against the Kings, and he comes out and he scores 18, and he's just knocking down threes. It's just yeah. 
it, it's so great to see such a deep bench and like and, and even like Langston Galloway too. He didn't have a ton of minutes, only 12 minutes, one for four from the field. Uh, he did hit a three pointer and uh, you know, no four point plays this time for Langston Galloway. But at the same time, knowing that we have firepower, th- that's the only reason we lost. The only reason we lost against the Kings is everybody was off that night. If one guy had been on, we would have won that game. Period. Period. I mean, we only gave up 86 points tonight, Matthew. That's another thing. The Suns coming into this game, opposing points per game were third in the league, and that should drop, obviously. Only 86 oh, yeah. points we gave up, dude. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing about this this offense. It leads from the defense. Like I said in the second quarter, it all started when the defense started picking up the intensity, forcing the bad passes, forcing the turnovers. Then it just leads a better offense. It's something that I feel like EJ preaches every game. Maybe it's not him. Maybe it's somebody else. But someone preaches that defense leaves a good offense, and that is exactly what is happening for the Suns right now. But honestly, the best player right now for the Suns, I really think, is uh, the 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 duo of Cam, the Cam duo, and you're totally correct about that. Them together are my favorite players to watch, and then I'm forgetting everybody else on the team too. Well, Mikhail's Mikhail's my favorite to watch. And his success coupled with oh, the Cam's success. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming off the bench, the Cam show yeah. is what this is what this team thrives on. It's great. And I was reading uh, on Bright Side of the Sun today. There was an article about campaign, and it's just every everything that's coming from this kid is positive. And he's and he's a great story of tenacity and somebody who you know had to go up and and, and truly find himself after being drafted number fourteen overall in the two thousand and fifteen draft, and and know who he is. And to come back and get another shot under Monty and to take advantage of that, I mean, it's just so fantastic to watch. So not only is he a great player who's fun to watch and does what you want him to do, but like he's one of those good stories that someday TNT will pick up on and they might do a feature on him. And then they'll cut away yeah. from it because Zion, you know, uh, did a great dunk in the layup line or something. <laughs> yeah, it, just to watch the other bench too and Stan Van Gunny just fucking freaking yelling the whole time dude just he just could not believe what he was seeing the effort on the floor but i mean that's what happens when you play against mikhail bridges dude he will demoralize you he'll make you think you're worth nothing in this life and that's the way he made that offense feel and that's what's great about this team i mean it's so fun we've suffered for so long matthew we've suffered for so long it's so nice to get on here and have a podcast knowing that this team is playing the way that they are and and they're still not there yet they're still not there yet. What offensively, there's so much more room to grow. We I talked know. about this. You know, this is one of the things I was bringing up a lot in our preseason podcast. Was does it, is everybody ready for how good this team is going to be defensively? When you have Chris Paul, who's an All NBA defender. When you have DeAndre Ayton, we got Mikael Bridges. When you got Cam Johnson, who was looking better in the in the bubble, and then you got Jay Crowder added to the mix. Like we're actually going to be a really good team that has the ability to get stops late. And we haven't really been in those situations as of yet because our last two games were essentially blowouts. But this team is so well-rounded. And you think about the way that James Jones built this team. He's like, okay, I'm going to bring in a point guard who has nothing but gravity. I'm going to put nothing but great shooters around him. Not good shooters, great shooters around him. And when they execute, it's it's fantastic. Uh, Buck Dog in the chat, mid-season form sons are going to be scary. And that's the truth. I mean, again, we have to you know knock on wood and pray to whatever God you believe in that injuries don't affect this team. Like it has so many other teams, but knowing that we have that depth is so vital to the success of this team. And it's just so much fun to watch. Yep. 
And like you said, it's not the full potential, but it is kind of the full potential because you know there's going to be a couple guys that aren't going to go off, just like Chris Paul and Devin Booker tonight. So it's not going to be all well-rounded like it was tonight always, but we have just so many guys that can step up. So it's going to be endless for the Suns. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we we turn our heads towards New Year's Eve. The Suns are going to be playing at 7 p.m. Arizona time on NBA TV against the Utah Jazz, a team that we lost to twice in the preseason. And following that, the next day, their back-to-back is they are playing against, both of these games are at home, by the way, against the Denver Nuggets. And I didn't bother to watch the end of that TNT game, but uh, did the Kings end up beat? Yeah, they end up beating the Nuggets. So that that's going to be a, a I think so. I that's think why the they're Nuggets, three and Nuggets one. No, the Nuggets got their first win, I think. Then how right. are the Kings three and one? I don't know, man. <laughs> well, never mind. So, you, so just look at the next four for the Suns: the Jazz, yeah. the Nuggets, then they're at the Clippers and at Toronto, and then we okay. go on this big East Coast swing of teams and and uh, a lot of opportunity to really pad those those wins, if you will. When we play the Pistons, the Pacers, maybe not so much. You have the Wizards, the Hawks, the Gold State Warriors, the Pacers, the Grizzlies, yada, yada, yada. So what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the Jazz, a team that we are somewhat familiar with, knowing that we played them twice in the preseason and we really didn't get the result that we wanted? Also knowing that the Suns really didn't display a lot of their offensive schemes in those preseason games. Well, they're a team we're going to be compared to a lot. I feel like coming up in the season, well, the season already started, but I mean, coming into the season, we were compared to a lot. Maybe being in the same kind of group in the standings was the Utah Jazz. So they are definitely one of those teams you eye because of um, DeAndre Aiden going against Gobert. Gobert. And honestly, that is going to be one of those matchups where it's just like every night, I feel like DeAndre Aiden has to go up against the best center in the league. There's so many of them now that we play these games. I'm like, is he ever going to have like an off night? But it's basically that. I mean, it's up to Aiden really to force his will against Gobert, but it's not going to happen probably. I mean, Gobert gets his way against everybody. But besides that, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, I love that dude. I think he's just on the, he's a level maybe below Booker, but he's so close to being just as good. And I think that team really has it going. I think they're going to be probably like a top six seed in the West too as well, as it's going to be so difficult for every team here. But besides that, I mean, this is a team you can really really see how well you are against them. See if you're that better of a team. I know in the in the preseason it wasn't the one did not look good at all, but who cares? That was preseason. Let's just show them what we got. I mean we're coming off of this game. You can't let a, you can't let us Suns down Suns fans down right now, dude, because this is a big matchup I think for the Suns. Yeah, big time. And I think I misspoke there. I think we're actually away for those next two games. Um but this is yeah, a good measuring. It, this is a good measuring stick for the Suns coming into tonight. Uh, they're two and one. They won. I think it was last night. Oh, one point over OKC, which is not one of those you know great teams. But you're seeing a lot of the the teams around the league trying to get their footing. I mean, the Nets have lost the last two, and I think one of them was to the Charlotte Hornets. So it's early in the season. You can't get too hyped, even though we are definitely hyped as Suns fans on our performance. You can't get overly hyped. On some of these records, you have to kind of yeah. you know, once you get about twelve to fifteen games, you kind of have a good idea of what these teams are. Uh, that's about twenty percent of the way through the season. But from an offensive standpoint, they're fourteenth in the league in points per game. Uh, if you look from a defensive standpoint, uh, their defensive rating is twelfth in the league. So they're a team that's in the middle, and it's going to be a great measuring stick. I know that the last time they played in the preseason, DeAndre Ayton was you know kind of throwing some elbows at. 
Rudy Gobert and trying to push him off his spots and and, and yeah. get his positioning down low. And I hope that that's something that continues because that's going to be vital to the Suns' success is the ability to board against that team. I thought it was going to be something that was going to be, you know, uh, we, the Suns really needed tonight against the Pelicans. It obviously didn't end up being that way because due to our shooting. I mean, we were out-rebounded tonight or were we, we, we out-rebounded them by two, 43 to 41 against the Pellies tonight. But rebounding against a team like the the Utah Jazz, who are going to have Rudy Gobert coming in and then Derek Favors backing him up, they're always going to have a big man down there, and you have to be ready to team rebound, which is something we saw them do against the Kings in Game 3. So I think that that's something that's going to be really uh, uh, interesting. It's going to be tough, too. I mean, they have Utah, and then they go to Denver. So those are two games in high elevation. So... I don't know when they're going to board that plane, but get up there and start just running sprints and get yourselves in shape because it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to these two games. So it's like every game, though, I feel like against the West is really crucial. So these two games are crucial. They can go one and one of this. I'm very happy. Of course, we'll come on to the pod after the loss. and I'll be very upset, but it's just an instant reaction. Yeah, I know. My 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 new wife was like, what are we doing on New Year's? New Year's Eve. I'm like, well, nothing because there's a global pandemic going on. And uh, the the Suns play. So I'm probably yeah, we'll going to be doing a, we'll a podcast. We'll be wrapped up at 1030. It'll be early. Yeah, it is an early game. Early-ish. Yeah, it's, early it's, compared uh, to these other games. Yeah. Yeah. I've, God, it's 11 o'clock. Jeez. It's amazing how uh, time flies. <laughs> but it will be a tough game. Uh, I like yeah. what Nathaniel Darsh said in the chat. Hope Jalen Smith is back. We're going to need depth. Okay. It's going to be interesting to see how Monty utilizes his rotations against Utah because I don't think that Dario Sarge necessarily is going to be the first guy to come in to spell the five. I think that it might be Frank Kaminsky or Damon Jones, somebody who you can throw in there and have him beat up Rudy Gobert a little bit. Like if, if the game is looking well, looking well, if you will, if they're in it and you can afford to throw a few fouls at Rudy Gobert, throw in Damon Jones, let him just hack him a little bit and tire the guy out. Maybe that'll work in favor of the Phoenix Suns. I don't know. Yeah, I like Sarge coming in, though, off the bench right away to fill in that five against. Uh, he probably won't be against Gobert, but just to come in at the five, I think it's the perfect uh, matchup with the yeah. bench for the Utah. But I, I like him coming in to replace uh, Eaton right away. Yeah, I do as well. I mean, it just it keeps that continual hustle awesome. for the team. So, yeah. uh, Matthew, do you got anything else before we get out of here today, my friend? I don't. The Suns are three and one. It's it's late, but you know what? I love doing this, dude. Jamsters, thank you for joining us so much. Uh, just I can't believe the Suns are three and one, and it's not even the peak of anything yet. This is just the beginning. So please come with us on this ride. I know that sounded creepy, but just join Ooh. us. As long as you're not saying that from the back <laughs> of a van, hand. we're cool, Take man. Hand, yeah. <laughs> don't offer don't offer any of the Jamsters candy, and we, we'll be okay. But uh, okay. you know, I'll, I'll end where I began. 2014. That was the last time the Phoenix Suns were three and one to start a season. In the Valley jerseys, we are now one and zero, and we're two and zero at home. I like a lot of these zeros and ones at the back end of our uh, our conversations here. This, this team is fun to watch. Uh, if if you're new yeah. to the Suns fan base, welcome. We appreciate you know the bandwagon's wide open. If you're learning who the Phoenix Suns are, fantastic. I hope that you're excited by the new branding, by the new brand of basketball, by the defense, by the offense, by the names, by everything that is the Phoenix Suns. This team is fun to watch, man. So if you're new to the fan base, fantastic. If you're a longtime sufferer, sufferer like both Matthew, <laughs> myself, and a lot of our fellow Jamsters, uh, isn't this fun, guys? You guys having fun? You guys enjoying watching this? Man, this is a great time. So 
on behalf of me and Matthew, thank you again for joining the Suns Jam Session podcast. Remember to subscribe if you're watching via YouTube and hit the thumbs up button. And you can also click the little bell that will notify you every time we go live, which is directly following every Phoenix Suns game. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please rate, subscribe, rev- and review. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. And you can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. Bam. And like uh, like our buddy says here in the chat, Corey Jones, fellas. P-Dog 006, fellas. Infinite Tranquility, fellas. Matthew, I think I deleted the actual fellas thing. So I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to actually <laughs> oh, no. play the audio. <laughs> that was my uh, favorite but, thing ever. Uh, I love I'll, that I'll, thing, dude. I'll bring it back for the next podcast. But All right. until then... Everybody take care of yourself. Take care of each other. We'll see you on New Year's Eve night. Hopefully the Suns will be four and one at that point. Uh, My beer's empty. Time to get another one. All right, everyone go home and love your fellas. Ooh.